Welcome to the Crazy Love Podcast. The Apostle Paul desired that the church stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. But sadly, in this day and age, the church seems more divided than it's ever been. In this week's episode, Francis Chan exhorts us with a message that unity in the body of Christ is worth fighting for, and it must begin with a proper perspective of the holiness of Christ. We pray that this episode will elevate your heart to worship Jesus in spirit and in truth. Sometimes I, I want to squeeze in so much. Because I'm, I know that most of you, your minds are going really fast. And we're going faster and faster. You're used to this. And oh, how come this guy didn't respond? How come, oh, what's going on here? What? And so you want to come up and go, hey, guys, man, isn't it great? We're here in San Diego. You know, and keep the energy up and go higher and higher and higher. But looking in Scripture, even if you look at the Old Testament temple, it was actually the opposite of the way they would structure things. You've got the outer courts. There's more noise there. But the closer and closer you get to the holy of holies, the more silent it is. And then the climax is for that high priest to walk into that holy of holies and just say nothing. Because you're in the presence of him. And can you imagine being in the holy of holies? Where God says, my presence is going to show up on that mercy seat as you walk in and you are one human being in the presence of almighty God. And to think... Right now, as we sit here, there's a being in heaven who is determining if he is going to give me another breath. And all of us are dependent on Hashem, the name, the one for every breath and he's keeping us alive right now and the thought that that God wants to be one with me he says I want to dwell inside of you see we're used to thoughts like that like oh God is in me guys that is a crazy thought. I mean, when, when you think about the Old Testament and that God and, 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 and all they knew was this, this, this ark and this presence of God and you just touch it and you die. You don't walk into his presence. You know how crazy it was when they began to study the Virgin Mary and go, you're telling me God himself is inside of her? No way. 
Did you know the early church referred to Mary as the ark? Because they're going, are you telling me God himself is in her womb, inside of a human being? Well, you're talking about the God that Moses walked up onto that mountaintop with the lightning and the fire and the thunder and the trumpets and the God who said, you can't look in my face and live. And now you're telling me the God who spoke the world into existence now came into this woman's womb. The presence of God in a person. Is, is anyone in here pregnant right now? Just out of curiosity. Do we have any pregnant women? No? Oh, do we have one? Okay, where are you? Do you mind standing up? Okay. All right. Thank you. Now, let's just imagine for a second. Let's say that's the Virgin Mary over there. Okay. Just imagine, let's say you live during the time of the Virgin Mary. And let's say you knew that the God of the universe was in her womb. How would you treat her? Can you imagine the respect, the honor we would give to her? Like, I don't care what she does. If she threw her cheesecake at me, whatever, I would just be like, it's okay, it's okay, I like it. You know, it's just, I mean, you're talking, the God of the universe is in her womb. You know, take my seat, take my car, take, take whatever. I, my creator is in her womb. The, the amount of respect, regardless of what she does, right? We'd be terrified to do anything offensive toward her. Do we believe the scriptures that Christ is in me right now? Do we believe the scriptures that the Holy Spirit of God dwells within believers? So if we believe that this holy God dwells inside of others who know Christ, how dare we slander and divide some of the things that are written by fellow Christians against other Christians? I'm just like, what in the world? Do we not fear him? Scripture says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I grew up in a time when uh, that's when the churches started to stop talking about the fear of God. Because we're all about getting people in the doors. And so you think what type of message will attract people to the church? And so we're all thinking about ways to attract the crowds into our churches. So topics like judgment and the fear of God, they're just lost. No one wants to hear about that. 
We're going to talk about raising a happy family, having a successful life, how, you know, God can provide for this, provide for that. Let's, let's talk about these things. Let's, let's not talk about judgment day. Let's not talk about standing before this terrifying God that we'll all have to answer to. Let's talk about things that attract people. But the problem with that is the Bible says the foundation was supposed to be fear. The fear of the Lord. That's why he didn't send Isaiah out until Isaiah understood who was sending him out. Just in the same way that he silenced Job and his friends who thought they understood. They needed to be silenced. And understand, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but it also says that the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. It's it's not just the beginning. Our friendship with God is built upon this foundation. The reason why so many people walk away from the faith and make some of these foolish choices is because they didn't have a foundation of the fear of the Lord. Because I don't feel like loving all the time. I don't feel like following all the time. But at the core of who I am, there's a fear of God that is a foundational truth. And that's been lost. And it's, and it's so hard because for the last few decades, we have not been preaching that. And yet there's all these people who say they believe in Jesus. And, and yet it's, you know, the more the world, you know, gets their thoughts into these people, they just start bending towards the world. Why? Because they don't know what he is like. They've never imagined standing before him at the end of their lives. And so... It's been a challenge these last few years. I mean, great things are happening. We see a young crowd that is so on fire for the Lord. A couple weeks ago, we were in Kansas City at the Send event where we're sending out, yes, and uh, thanks to you, many of you guys supported that event, and we had like 40,000 young people that are ready to be sent to the ends of the earth anywhere the gospel has not been preached. Very exciting. When we were in Brazil, we had over 100,000 show up, and we're heading to Norway in a couple weeks. And um, So it's a very exciting time, but it's almost like we're having to reteach. It's almost like we built this house and realized, oh, we forgot the foundation, the fear of the Lord. We forgot to tell you who you're worshiping and how the Bible... You ever try to put a foundation in a building after it's been built? That's really what we're doing in the church. And I think a lot of this division and this fighting goes back to you don't fear the fact that Jesus dwells with me. You don't honor me like you would honor the Virgin Mary. You don't realize you'll have to answer for every careless word. See, God made some promises, and I, first of all, I love, um, I love the time that we're living in, um, because even all the things that have been said about the church lately, I feel like the Lord is doing something where he's disciplining the church. Um, He's exposing the church, and see, he made some promises. Jesus says in Matthew 12, 
verse 25. He promises that a kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Every city or house divided against itself will not stand. So this is a promise. He goes, I promise you, if a kingdom is divided, it will not stand. This is the word of God. This is when Jesus was accused of, you know, casting out a demon by Beelzebub. He goes, that doesn't make any sense. Everyone knows a kingdom divided against itself will not stand. And for years, for centuries, the church has been dividing more and more and more. And God says, it's not going to stand. That type of kingdom is going to crumble. And we're seeing that. And we're seeing, you know, at one point, all of this branding and these different denominations, everyone's so proud of their denominations, but we're living in a time where people don't want to be called evangelical anymore. Who wants to be called Roman Catholic right now? Or Southern Baptist right now? And all of these names and all of these factions I'm going, Lord, it just seems like you're bringing down all of these names. And you promised we wouldn't stand this way. But it feels like something new is arising. Because he also promised in Philippians chapter 1 in verse 27. That was a cue for the verse so I could read it. <laughs> Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition but to you of salvation and that from God. So here's a promise from God. He goes, if you would stand firm, stand fast in one spirit with one mind and you strive together for the gospel and you're not afraid at all by your adversaries, he goes, that's proof to them of their destruction. That's crazy. God says, if you would be united. He goes, if you'd be united, it would prove to them their destruction, their perdition, their judgment. And it would prove to them that you are actually saved. See, when I read that verse, I go, gosh, that doesn't make logical sense to me. You know, I like math. Duh, Asian. But, uh, you, you just, so I like, I just go, okay, two plus two is four. You know, here's an equation. And I go, well, why would the unity of the church prove to an unbeliever their destruction? That's an equation that doesn't make sense in my mind. But I go, well, wait, but it's the word of God. And the word of God tells me, he promises me, if you guys are going to be divided, it's going to crumble. You come together, it's going to prove to the world that you're saved. This is the equation God's given us. And many of us have tried to use our own logic going, well, I know what will get people in the church. 
I know what will save our country. Well, God already told us what would, what would work. He says, when you come together and you strive together as one, when you bear with one another, when you treat each other with honor like you would anyone who houses the Holy Spirit of God and have that reverence for them. Years ago, I was, um, my son was in Little League. He was like nine or 10 years old. And uh, I was just one of the dads. I wasn't coaching at that point. Um, and this play happened where his buddy got onto first base, but everyone was arguing. It was 12-12. And uh, my son's up to bat. And I'm just like looking at him like, son, this is your moment. You know, like, you, you get to come home as a man today. All you got to do is just get a hit. We win the game. Meanwhile, everyone starts arguing about whether the guy was safe on first base. Pretty soon, everyone starts swearing at each other. These are adults screaming F-bombs left and right. And I'm just kind of stunned, like, what is happening here? And then they start calling each other out to fight. And now full-grown men start brawling at this nine-year-old baseball game. And I'm just watching going, what is happening here? But I kind of froze. I didn't know what to do. You know, I'm just another dad. It's not like they know who I am. Pretty soon, it gets uh, the police come, a guy broke his leg, ambulances. It was the most embarrassing thing I'd seen. And, you know, then they were going to cancel the league. I'm like, no, 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 don't cancel it. Just kick out everyone you need to that was involved, all the parents and kids, whatever. Give me the worst kids of every team, and I'll, I'll build up another team. I'm like, okay, okay, we'll do that. And, um, but I remember that night going, gosh, what could I have done to stop that? You know, because I just, I relived it over and over because these kids are traumatized. They are crying. You've got these nine-year-old, 10-year-old kids crying, going, what just happened? That's my dad going away in an ambulance. I came here to play baseball, and it turns into this brawl. And I just kept going, why didn't I do something? Why didn't I say something? And I relived that a lot, and I realized I could have stopped that if I wanted it bad enough. I could have, I mean, because imagine that's going on, and what if I just screamed at the top of my lungs, ran to, you know, the pitcher's mound, and started throwing dirt in my face, and just acting like a lunatic, and then once I got everyone's attention, I would say, what are you guys doing? They're nine. Come on, stop thinking. I could have gotten their attention. I could have stopped that fight. I'm convinced I could have if I wanted it bad enough. And, and so when I think about my life right now, when I was thinking about you guys and the influence you have and everything else, we know that God in heaven, almighty him, Hashem, the name, the one we're all going to stand before, we know he wants all believers at one table. 
I've looked at Catholic priests and I go, there's no way you can tell me that God is happy with this. That you having the Spirit of God and believing I have the Spirit of God, but we can't take of the same communion table? There's no way you can tell me, yeah, that's God's plan. He wanted 30 different tables for his family to sit in. Let's think about what he went through on the cross. Why? So that we could become perfectly one. And there are so many days I think, yeah, but what am I going to do? How am I going to change that? And then I, I think back to that baseball game. I go, no, what I don't want is to come to the end of my life and realize maybe if I screamed loud enough, I could have brought us back to one table. Maybe if I begged you guys to think about what God desires, that we all start raising our voices and saying, this isn't right. If that person, if that woman has the spirit of God in her, I better be careful with my speech. Because 1 Corinthians 3 says that we are the temple of God. And if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. What I love right now, I think we have the best opportunity we've ever had, at least in my lifetime, towards unity. And I think some of us have just accepted the fact that we're so divided and we can't put these denominations back together. But let me remind you that the first thousand years after Christ's death, there was one church. It wasn't until 1054 that we split into two, and then three, and now thousands. Mutually exclusive t tables. And I actually believe that this is the best time we've ever had in our lifetimes to see the church come back together and strive side by side for the sake of the gospel. And I'm not talking about at the expense of truth. I'm not talking about at the expense of holiness. Anyone who's heard me preach knows those are things that are very dear to me. But I'm just saying we've lost the importance of unity and we're going to lose if we're divided. God promised that. And we will win if we come together. And there is an opportunity because I guarantee you right now, for people under 30, I bet you 80% of the Baptists don't want to be called Baptists anymore. 80% of the evangelicals in that age range don't want to be called or labeled evangelical. Who wants to be called a Presbyterian anymore? How many people even know what these things mean anymore? There's such a hunger in the young people because they're looking at this book and saying, why can't we just be one? Why can't we just be the church? And I'm not saying I have the answer of how this is all gonna come together. I just wanna stand before God and said, I did my part. I ran on that field and I screamed at the top of my lungs. I may have looked like a lunatic and 
I just wonder if we all scream for this unity that Christ died for. Could we see it in our lifetime? We're seeing amazing things happen through illuminations and the Bible, you know, translation groups coming together. And it's like, whoa, we're actually getting the scripture in every language because we work together. There's just power in this. There's examples of this. And as I have joined forces with people and denominations that sometimes we've got to work through some things and we're still not totally there, but as we've fought for that because we see the Holy Spirit in each other's lives, God's been blessing it. It's not without its attacks and the price, but it's happening. And I really believe we could see this, that this is something God is doing. He's humbling us right now with all of our different brandings and people are getting tired of it and we're just hungry enough now to be that united church. So I praise God that all of you guys are together here, but I, I don't know what my part is in all of this and I don't know what your part in, is in all of this. I just know the heart of God from reading the scriptures that Christ died, that we'd be perfectly one and his promise that the world will believe that Christ sent, was sent from the Father, the world will believe that we're actually loved by God, and the world will even believe in their own judgment when the church becomes one. It's the word of God. So I'm going to pray. You guys, and I, I take this seriously. This is not just a way to end my message. If we believe that Almighty God hears me right now, and I'm going to ask him from heaven to release something into your inner being. A hunger for unity. A desire to break down all these divisions. And wisdom in your part in it. I believe you're about to receive something. I really do. So if you would bow your heads. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. God, we believe every breath is from you. We're able to think with these minds because you're letting us. You have us on this earth right now for a reason. We believe your word promises victory with unity. We're sorry for the times we've slandered brothers or sisters filled with the spirit of God, your children, and we dared speak against them. Please forgive us, Lord.
Father, we come before you through the shed blood of Jesus, through which we have access to you, Almighty God, and we're asking for your grace to fall upon us in this room right now, Lord. May we receive grace from you, God. You know what each one of us needs. Please, Lord, give us a healthy fear of you. Give us a security in you. Help us to tremble at your word. That you watched your son suffer on a cross. A holy God did that. So that we could become perfectly one as your children as your body. So drive out by your spirit all the bitterness in this room. All the grudges against believers who have hurt us. And fill us with your heart for oneness. So that the world may believe that judgment really is coming. And yet we have been saved by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Crazy Love Podcast. Join us next time for a new episode. But until then, for more resources from Crazy Love Ministries or to support the work of Crazy Love, please visit our website at crazylove.org.